0: So, Jesse, we talk a lot about college on this show. Yeah, we do. And what we actually mean is Avondale University College, where we both got our bachelor degrees in ministry and theology.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that's also where we became buddies
0: and we lived in the dorms. We ate at the calf, walked to class in the sunshine. It was great. It was great. We had late night Maccas runs. We led in worship and uh, we also met some of our closest friends there. Absolutely. Probably one too many late night macaron's
1: for me. But, you know, honestly, studying at Avondale was the best. And we're so stoked to say that this episode is sponsored by Avondale University College. Called to make a difference. Called to beat Avondale. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Burn the Haystack with Josh and Jesse. I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is all about saving the best and burning the rash. Oh yeah, here we go. Ready? <laughs>
0: I don't know why I did that. <laughs> I don't know, once you
1: did it, it, it was a bit contagious. I couldn't help myself. Uh, man, oh man. How are you, Josh? I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, big news, everyone. Uh, but uh, yeah, next year... There's a bit of, bit of a change going on for Burn the Haystack uh, and yeah. me. Yeah. Um, so Do you I wanna, should say the two are actually kind of unrelated, funnily yeah. enough, but now they are sort
0: of related because they've both happened. Do you yeah. want to quickly... Let's talk about what we've been talking about with the podcast and the rest of the team um, because that came first and then then you have some, some news that you want to share as well.
1: Yeah. Um, so kind of i don't know a few months ago now i think it was yeah it was a while ago maybe not a few months at least a couple of months um yeah jesse and i were sort of chatting and viewing the podcast you know trajectory and how everything's been going and um yeah it's been pretty full-on for us like we've been doing this for about three years now yeah and um yeah people probably don't realize how much work goes into making a podcast like a weekly podcast um we don't just sit down and chat. Well, sometimes we have just sat down and chatted with very little prep. <laughs> and I ho- ho- desperately hope that people don't notice. <laughs> no. But most of the time, there's a fair bit of prep work that goes into each yeah. episode. Um, there's connecting with people after each episode, all that kind of thing. And um, yeah. And so we just thought, you know what? 2020 particularly has been a very draining year. I'm sure a lot of people can understand just with church stuff as well as podcast stuff. So. We decided in 2021 we're going to take a bit of a hiatus with the podcast,
0: Uh, just a bit of a break, a bit of a slowdown. And to be clear, you know, hiatus, people sometimes think of hiatus and go, oh, it just means they're cancelling or whatever. To be clear, a hiatus means that we do hope to be back one day and we do hope we're not... We're not um, cancelling all activities. We are definitely wanting to um, continue at some point. We just don't know when that some point is. Um, yeah. yeah.
1: And I, don't, I don't know if we're going to commit again to a weekly schedule or not. Um, weekly it has been pretty yeah. intense. Yeah. 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 Um, so... Yeah, that's sort of the big thing. I mean, we might I mean maybe we'll even just come back with a random episode here and there. I don't know. We are not not sure. If we really feel like there's something we need to say at the time,
0: we'll just jump back.
1: I'm sure. Yeah, but this but, is um, about,
0: I guess, us communicating expectations so that yeah. all of you beautiful people really um yeah, so you understand what the expectation is. Um we're not going to say we're going to be back in March or April or june we might be back before then we might be back after then we don't know at this point originally the idea was that we were going to have some other projects that we were going to work on together and that was going to be really really interesting and we were really excited about that and some of those things might come to fruition but uh something else cropped up in the middle of that which is going to affect us um it doesn't affect me as much but it affects josh uh a lot
1: a bit so. yeah at least a bit
0: <laughs> <laughs> at least a small amount
1: no uh, i'm actually moving uh but moving back to australia so mm. yeah being a pastor and a chaplain in sydney which will be pretty cool um really sad to leave new zealand but yeah i really love it here but obviously yeah the, the change in like it's a total change in pace for me whole different setting and everything so Um, and the different time zones it's only two hours apart but um three hours uh, three hours apart for a couple of weeks a year but sure yeah (laughs) uh, yeah but it's gonna be like you'd be surprised how big difference especially if you're trying to do something weekly like how big a
0: difference a two-hour time difference can make and your workload is going to change fairly significantly you're going to be in a brand new church brand new school, which you haven't been in a school for the last two years, three years, something like that, so yeah that's going to be a, a big change and it's going to be quite different and it's going to be exciting and crazy and because you've been in New Zealand the same amount of time as I have five years, so this place has kind of become our home um, yeah absolutely has mm. yeah yeah so
1: yeah, it's yeah. a big change for the podcast because we've always been a new zealand based podcast but now we're going to be a International. Well, I guess now three out of the four members who help with the podcast are uh, in Australia now.
0: So you're you're overruled, Jesse. Yeah, it's true. It's true. When in doubt, you know, go the Aussie route. I mean, we're all Australians. I do find that quite (laughs) hilarious, though. We are both Aussies. We have been based in New Zealand the entirety of this podcast's life, and um, when you're doing a weekly podcast, especially, you're always stressing out and thinking in the back of your mind about what's coming up next because it's this constant ongoing thing
1: and trying to tee up interviews with people and thinking about it like what am i going to ask them you kind of like deliberately reading books and looking into things that you might not necessarily be so it does does take up quite a lot of like mental space
0: too yeah and i think even when we've been on this seasonal schedule i don't know about you josh but like having a month off at the beginning of the year and then at the middle of the year is cool but it's still a month where you're thinking about what's going to come next in the next season because that's yeah. like that takes up a lot of headspace even when you have those big four weeks off.
1: Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those are the big announcements. Um yep. I don't know what else to say about it, but uh, yeah, I guess it's, we'll will yeah keep keeping keep contact on like social yep. media and that kind of thing, and you'll know um and stay subscribed because then you'll see when if we do <laughs> I don't know whenever we do next drop an episode it'll just show up and it'll be like a christmas has come early or late I don't know yeah a <laughs> 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 special day has arrived because yeah. the bear episode will yeah yeah um, so anyway but yeah,
0: yeah. we're uh, it'll be nice to have a bit of a break for a bit yeah mm. and um yeah so thank you, guys. I know this is probably disappointing and a little bit sad for a lot of you. Uh, it definitely is for us. But again, it's not the end. It's just the beginning. No, I don't know. It's uh, it's definitely, it's definitely uh, a hit pause in expectation for whatever the next chapter is for Burn the Haystack. And I'm excited for whatever the next chapter is for us. And uh, Josh and I don't really exactly know what that's going to be. No. um so we're all in the same boat together so that's that's pretty cool yeah no absolutely yeah
1: but anyway we uh we got some things we got to talk about today we got an episode to do we got places to be um there's been a big issue
0: so let's let's talk about it oh, oh man. Man. <laughs> yeah. got it Lens us your ears and we will uh <laughs> jump into it today. <laughs> the oh, pun train has left the train of the station. <laughs> no,
1: <it's okay>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is cool. Now this is this is kind of gonna be like a classic burn the haystack episode. We haven't we've done a lot of uh interviews recently, so it's it feels nice to jump back into a uh you and me just um you know <laughs> just chatting about something and been a little bit goofy so uh, yeah. it's kind of it's kind of sad but it's also this this episode for me is it's like a deja vu episode it's like we've been here before because we have been here before we've talked about pastors who have stuffed up and who have jumped out of ministry this feels like the third true. or fourth episode we've done on this topic That's
1: true actually yeah cuz we did one on
0: Bill Hybels Yep we did, we did
1: one, one on Marty uh, Sampson or Was that in the same episode? No, 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 that was a different episode We Marty did one Sampson when he left
0: Yeah, we well, did We did, did Yeah, Marty Sampson and Joshua Harris The guy who wrote yeah, Kiss Dating I, Goodbye Kiss Dating
1: Goodbye That's yeah. right
0: I think we did Marty and Joshua in the same episode Or they may have been split, I'm not too sure
1: Yeah, a while um, ago
0: it's So like, yeah, it is a deja vu episode, isn't it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. But this one's a bit different, I think. Like the reasons are different than what we've talked about before. And it's a bit of a different, um, yeah, I guess some different issues than what we've covered that are mm. happening in church, uh, particularly in the US church. So, yeah. not hating on the US, but <laughs> these issues seems to seem to be much more prevalent
0: in the churches over there than... Yeah,
1: well, definitely New Zealand, but, okay.
0: and I think I think as yeah. well the interesting thing about this episode is it's a lot more close to home for at least one of us. Um, I've I don't really know Carl Lentz from a, a bar of soap. Uh, I've only seen him preach online, uh, but you have much more of a deep connection with Carl. Um, which is sounds a little bit weird when I say it that way, but uh, we'll get into that definitely as we go into it, but. Uh, for those of us who are not in the loop, um, what's happening? Why are we talking about this guy, Carl Lentz? Who is Carl Lentz? And what has happened? Um, so, Josh, do you want to give us a little bit of a an introduction to the man himself? And then let's talk about what's what's actually happened that we need to talk about it.
1: Yeah. Uh, so many of you will know the uh, global megachurch Hillsong, we've talked about them many times on the show. Uh, many of us listen to their music. Um, not as many people have seen their church services or their preachers, but um, yeah, quite a quite a, a massive influence on the Christian world um, in general. Um, like it's funny whenever people talk about a contemporary church song, they'll call it like a hill song but it might not, you know, it's become like a, like you Google something. It's yeah. Um, so in the same way Hillsong is sort of getting at that level of sort of influence. Um, so yeah, they have, um, church campuses all across the world, originally started in Australia, Sydney, Australia. This is true. And even more of a claim to fame, Brian Houston was originally from Wellington, New Zealand.
0: That's right. I believe he was born in Lower Hutt or something like that. He was, yeah. Yeah. Um, And his wife, Bobby, from uh, Papatoetoe. Wow. uh, And I believe they actually met in Todonga at a youth camp or something. Yeah. Wow. Um, So a couple of
1: Kiwis. Went over to Sydney and uh, started this church.
0: Classic Kiwi thing to do. Classic. Uh,
1: bada bing, bada boom, mega church. No, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty massive story. Happens every
0: time. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, anyway, it's sort of exploded into this huge global church movement. Um, you know, campuses in like, I think six continents. Um, mm. Yeah, pretty crazy. Um yeah. Pretty amazing growth, particularly in the last like decade, the growth has just been explosive. that has been yeah. insane to watch. Um, but yeah, they, they sort of in the last decade make, made a big push. Oh, I think it's the last decade. Maybe just, just before that, um, they made a big push into the U S um, which is interesting because there are already other, so many other big mega churches in the U S. So, um, yeah, but, uh, one of the more notable places that they made the big push was into New York. That was really where, because their whole thing with Hillsong yeah. is like they have churches in influential cities across the world. That's their whole, like, how they want to influence um, the world to know Jesus and mm. spread the gospel is doing it through influential cities. I'm just saying. Influential
0: churches in influential cities. I'm just reading here. Um, 2010 was when they launched, uh, Joel and Carl launched in New York. Yeah um
1: so yeah they um yeah uh, and so that's the whole thing so new york they would have had like laser eyes focused on we've got to get that right um so lo and behold they send joel houston who was the leader of hillsong United, or still is the leader of hillsong united one of the and i think he used to be the creative director of hillsong globally <laughs> um so they send him to hillsong new york to be the worship leader which can you imagine Makes. starting a church with that as your worship leader? <laughs> like, um, I yeah. do find it funny
0: because I I don't know if you remember this, but around that time, I I was in the Central Coast and um, there was a bunch of pastors who kind of were around the Hillsong um, Hillsong sort of circles, and they were like, "Oh, Brian and Joel, they've had a big feud and they've they've fought about this and that and the other thing," and so. Oh, yeah. Now Joel's going over the US kind of like an exile because he's disagreeing with his dad or something like that. It was all a lot of hearsay, but I don't know if any of it was actually true or if it was all nonsense, but that was kind of the big buzz at the time.
1: Who knows? I mean, this is something I I have appreciated about Hillsong over the years. They don't seem to keep their best... Like They, they used to have all these really, really amazing leaders at their primary campus, which is the Hills campus in Sydney. Um, But pretty much all the most incredible leaders they had there, they've sent overseas to plant churches elsewhere. So they're very good at sending, which is something I think any church could learn a bit from at least. Um, Yeah, just incredible sending capacity to send these people and just build new leaders after they've sent them. It's been really cool. Mm. So that's how I assume it was. I also heard rumors about that drama, but (laughs) I have had no proof of it, so I don't know. Um, Yeah, and so then the guy they sent to pastor this movement um, was Carl Lentz. Mm. Uh, so he's been the pastor of Hillsong, New York and eventually became sort of the pastor of Hillsong East Coast, I think was his title. Like the so yeah. East Coast
0: of the US was like Carl's responsibility with his primary campus being in New York. And they were they were launching campus after campus up and down the, the East Coast, like seemed like they were shooting off.
1: Yeah, pretty crazy, and like a lot of people have tried to start big churches in New York, and many have failed. It's been a very yeah. hard place to plant churches. Apparently, I, have I wouldn't listen. I've never even been there.
0: Yeah, I I remember listening to a Kerry Newhoff um, leadership podcast a few years ago, probably now, and there was a guy that was on the podcast talking about planting churches, particularly in like the the northeast of the mm. U.S. Um, along that that strip of land, like Boston and um, Maine and and those sorts of areas, seemingly an f- extremely difficult place to do ministry, to plant churches, to actually be successful. So, yeah, it definitely seems like whatever they were doing, it was successful enough that they were expanding and not just... Because I think in New York, yes, it's difficult to launch church, but if you've got the Hillsong chops, you can probably do okay in in New York, just just there, but it seemed like they were going beyond New York in in that whole thing.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think so. Um, and that's the interesting thing about Hillsong when they when they plant a church, they're already going with an established brand, which is super yep. interesting. Um, and I guess we do too. Like even as Seventh Day Adventist churches, when you move it's somewhere, just that you we don't slap have a strong Seventh Day Adventist sign. Yeah, there are people who know what that's about. But yeah, probably not in the
0: same way people have heard about Hillsong. Yeah. 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 It's funny because like if Seventh-day Adventists were do to do a similar thing, like Hillsong have very much founded themselves on the brand of their music and the music is something that reaches across denominational pews. And if you come to a new city with Hillsong, you instantly have recognition because people are singing your songs. It's not the same with Adventists. You know, if we had some sort well- of- Maybe at least in the Western
1: world because I know like, you know, there are countries like Nepal and that kind of thing. And um, yeah, where like particularly like Adra have really... um, That's true. Yeah. So uh, at least in this Western context, I would say. But yeah, maybe Mm. in in other contexts, at least the brand like Adra, there would be a
0: different, um, a sort of different thing. But isn't that interesting that Adra would probably make the Adventist church more... Uh, visible in areas that have needed Adra like mm. that makes a lot of sense, but inversely it's you wouldn't think that that would be the areas that Hillsong would go to to launch a church like you wouldn't see Hillsong going to Katmandu Katmandu to plant a church Hillsong Katmandu, whereas yeah. in the the West, the I guess probably more influential uh, wealthier areas they have that brand recognition which is, yeah, yeah, I don't know, it's interesting. Pretty,
1: yeah, pretty interesting. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but it's, uh, it's different to us anyway, so. Yes. Um, yeah, so pretty much that's, uh, that's the lowdown on who Carl Lentz is. He um, has had yes. a lot of success in the context of, yeah, planting Hillsong Church and campuses yep. in the US um, and bridging the gap into, yeah, the church and, and New York. So really interesting guy
0: and someone who I've definitely looked up to a lot over the years. Yes. And we'll, yeah, I definitely want you to talk more about that because Josh has a a personal connection with with Carl, Um, very deep personal connection (laughs) that um, (laughs) is going to expose Carl even more in this (laughs) episode. (gasps) <gasps> Tune in, keep keep tuning in folks for oh, more amazing facts about the
1: scoop oh.
0: <laughs> but we're not talking that so we're not talking about carl lance because he's so amazing and because he's been so successful which is all true but um he did a bit of an oopsie uh that seems like a fairly trite way to say it yeah but it, pretty, it's pretty underrated way <laughs> A big oopsie! A big, I'm, try, I'm trying to undersell yeah. the, the 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 brevity of this situation. No, no, it's pretty bad. It's yeah, it's pretty pretty sad to see. Yeah, so I guess the the cold hard facts. And if you know the situation, you know what I'm going to say. Uh, he has been fired, not like stepping down, like he has actually been fired, um, and he is yeah, in a fairly shocking and sudden manner, I suppose. Um, he announced it himself on his Instagram. I am going to just read what he said. Um, so announced, he announced on Instagram that he had been fired, citing, oh no, Brian Houston announced that he had fired. So the founder of Hillsong announced that he had fired, uh, Mr. Lentz citing leadership issues and breaches of trust, plus a recent revelation of moral failures. So the first part, fairly, fairly vague leadership issues and breaches of trust so i'm not quite sure exactly what he's referring to there possibly some more under the table in-house stuff the big one is that last little bit the recent revelations of moral failure and he actually confessed the day after on instagram so i'm getting to that now he's saying that i was unfaithful in my marriage the most important relationship in my life um basically what happened was he developed a relationship with a fashion designer in New York who was involved with the church or involved with him in some way It developed into a romantic relationship and he ended up cheating on his wife and it came out some, I think his wife found messages or something like that on his phone or something. Anyway, either way it came out and, um, he confessed it and then he was, was fired, and but, I don't know. It sounds pretty, sounds pretty brutal, but that's that's what happened.
1: It's pretty sad for his like wife and kids and stuff, and yeah, his church must be like heartbroken. Yeah, because you look up to a pastor a lot, you know. Well, some people do, I
0: guess. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, a, yeah, I mean, look, community. We we we're pastors, and you know, when it comes to the sort of people that we want to be, you know, these are often the types of figures who we look to as spiritual fathers, spiritual uncles, spiritual big brothers to kind of go, okay, this is what I want my ministry to look like. And I know that Carl was um, was that for you um, a fair bit, hey? Yeah, so I've actually met Carl Lentz, believe it or not. <laughs>
1: not that he would remember or anything like that. It's not really that big a deal. But way back when I was like, oh, uh, I would have been like 17, six, no, so yeah, probably like 17, 18, um so i have attended a few hillsong conferences in my life Ooh. and part of that program is an event that they do for teens which now is called young and free but it used to be called hillsong jam
0: <laughs> that's what the teen ministry was called jam. that's way cooler than young and free that's yeah. just that's <laughs> levels of pretty cool, cool amazing
1: um i remember the ad for it that year like that they made it was like they had these jam bottles and they're like smashing them <laughs> against walls and stuff but they would like done these effect to the jam inside or whatever the liquid was and it was like amazing colors like exploding out of there it was really cool i was like yeah jam <laughs> anyway um so yeah it was interesting right i remember i think it was i think it was like carl lent's big big event preaching debut. I'd never heard of him before mm. this. I mean, I wasn't that into Hillsong before this. This was like my first or second year at it. He had long hair, <clears throat> and um, I think he had just graduated from Hillsong College or something recently. And um, they were making all these jokes about that he looked like the. I don't know if you've seen that statue of like Jesus, the California Jesus, or whatever. Yeah. He's like smiling and winking and finger, with finger <laughs> yeah. guns or whatever. They were saying you look at that. He did. It was pretty, yeah, pretty accurate. <laughs> Anyway, um, but he got up and he preached and it was awesome to be honest. Like he spoke like so, I'd never heard a preacher like him, you know, Mm. to be honest. Um, Just like he was so raw, yet Mm. he was so funny and yet he spoke into like things that, man, preachers don't talk about this stuff, you know, and in such a real way, like hit issues that I actually cared about. Um, Yeah, it was really cool. And I remember thinking, like, man, this guy's awesome. And then I didn't hear about, you know, didn't hear about him for a couple of years. And then all of a sudden, we're at a Hillsong conference, and they had this moment where they, this is like, a, yeah, a few years later, they had this thing. It was called like oh, I can't remember what it was called, but they got a bunch of their young gun preachers to get up and do. There was like four or five of them. I think it was five. It was five for five because they got five of their young upcomings to do five minute sermons each. Uh, like straight yep. up so i think they yep. did a sermon there was a song sermon song really cool concept actually i think it was a cool way to like yeah just i guess showcase <laughs> but sure. yeah i think it was a way to give them a really cool opportunity too and to see like hey what here's what the next generation of preaching could look like
0: yeah it's a cool opportunity like if you're just an upcoming preacher and you would never have an opportunity to speak in like front of a conference audience like that's crazy so but yeah giving yeah Yeah. five minutes Um, is not a big sort of deal
1: no and i'm pretty sure all of those guys have gone on to plant hillsong campuses now wow but back then i don't more carl would have been making moves in america then but yeah i think yeah since then all the rest have too if i can remember who they all were but yeah um and i saw him again i'm like wow and his hair was cut short and he was wearing this like cool leather jacket and stuff which is sort of you know is sort of his signature look now yeah Um, totally and I was like, oh, it's that guy. I remember him. And it's California yeah, Jesus. Just, yeah, yeah. It was just as good. Like, I was like, <laughs> man, five minutes and he still smashed it. This guy's awesome. And so I just started following him. I really appreciated the way like he was just, he seemed to just be really, well, to me anyway at the time, he just seemed to be himself. Like I'd never seen a pastor that looked or acted or talked talk like him, but I was like, wow, he's just, he's just himself and people accept him for that. I thought that was really cool. Um, and then the next year, I went to this, I found my, found my way into again, another Hillsong conference and into (laughs) like a leadership breakfast sort of thing. I don't know. Yeah. Long story there. But anyway, uh, I got in and a bunch of their leaders were there. It was really cool. And um, yeah, actually might've been a couple of years later, but anyway, I don't know. I can't remember exactly, but I was standing somewhere and he walked in, like Carl Lentz walked in like late and I was like, oh, wow, that's him. Like, I'm like, man, he's really tall. I did not realize how tall he was. <laughs> I was. kind of intimidating. But I'd heard him talk and stuff. I'd say like one of his best evangelistic tools is to, um, like he said, one of my best evangelistic phrases is, hey, cool p- cool pumps, man, or whatever. Or cool kicks, man, or something like that. It was like something about like complimenting someone on their shoes. Sure. Because how he like strikes up conversations with people in New York because so many of them are so vain and whatever. So yeah. it's, it's, that's what he said. Um, I'm not saying that about people in New York. I don't know people <laughs> in New York, so I that, it's like, you're, you're really like about fashion.
0: Re, really covering um, your bases there, bro.
1: Oh, I am. I don't want to make it sound like it's me saying that because I'm like that sounds super <laughs> mean to say about people.
0: But anyway, uh, Car- I'm just saying me. what Carlin said, which is that people in New York are vain. Not my, not my. <laughs> anyway, go on, go on. <laughs>
1: anyway, <laughs> um, and I, I thought that was cool. So I was like, well, if I want to get his attention, I'm going to take a leaf out of his book. And he walked in, and I was like, hey, cool jacket, man! And instantly. He like turned and walked over to me and shook my hand. I was like, dang, it worked.
0: <laughs> and I'm like, it's super effective.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. And come over. Yeah. I was chatting, introduced myself and that kind of thing. And then I was like, ah, oh, so you're like the pastor of Hillsong, New York. Yeah. I think I've seen you before. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, do you have a phone charger? And I was like, nah i don't he's like oh my phone's about to die so i gotta go find one all right see you man I'm off. I'm like, cool i met carl lance didn't wash my hand for months afterwards no, I'm
0: <laughs> imagine imagine if you were able to give him a phone charger like here i've got knows, your phone charger been
1: like, yeah man here let's just go plug it into this wall behind me and sit down and chat that's true that's could true so now i carry a phone charger with me everywhere i go no mm. i don't <laughs> just in case you run into Carl lance again yeah, you never know. No. So that's the only time I've ever, I've seen him preach multiple times after that. Yeah. The different things. So yeah, he's always been someone... I mean, the last couple, few years, I've kind of grown away from that. You know, not really caring as much as at the time back then when I was sort of studying Avondale. It was quite a formative... Uh, Avonale, you know, studying to be a pastor and all that kind of thing. It was cool to see such a different picture of what a pastor could look like. Not saying I necessarily needed to yeah. look like that. But for me, it was like that guy's so different, like, you know, and I think there should be, yeah, more kinds of pastors, you know, more like not the same cookie cutter sort of thing. Yeah,
0: I mean, because like, let's be real, you know, we're in a traditional denomination and most pastors are, uh, you know, have at least 20 years on you and me. And a lot of them, they look the same, they talk the same, They think the same. They have the same resources. I mean, not everybody, you know, there's still a lot of diversity in our church. But when it comes to our denomination, looking up to, okay, what kind of pastor do I want to be? It's like, okay, middle-aged white guy wearing a button-up white shirt with a pen protector no no, no pen protector <laughs> <laughs> you know like that's a caricature but that's kind of that's kind of what we have to look up to and there's not there's Fuck. nothing wrong with that specifically but i think it is changing i mean now yeah but when i
1: was at avondale it felt like all the other pastors who i'd seen who were employed they felt very f- far away from what i was like Correct. age and just um personality I mean, and style wise i guess how it many- just felt like wow that's
0: how many older pastors you know have long hair and you know are okay with playing halo or you know whatever once in a while like that's not that's not what you think of when you think of pastors it's not even i had not met any
1: like that i felt yeah. like i was super yeah but now i feel like i mean i have, have still haven't met that many other long-haired pastors in the adventist church it's like guys where are you <laughs> um <laughs> no. well actually we had alex we had no not alex um who we have chai guy oh no uh, yeah <laughs> yeah kevin kevin <laughs> Wait, can, Alex. We edit that? can we edit that i don't want to say his name wrong when we had him just as okay
0: yeah yeah
1: no well, we had kevin we had kevin the chai guy he had that's long true. hair that's so true.
0: that's that's one yeah i'm sure yeah. there are others i'm sure there are somewhere. <laughs> somewhere but even it's funny like the the other day like i do i do interviews with new parents at my school and one of the 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 mums who came in to do an interview with me when she met me she was like oh oh you're jesse and i was like yeah and she was like oh i was kind of like expecting a white hair white haired older guy in like a button-up i was like yeah no," (laughs) you know even people (laughs) expect that yeah 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 Yeah. so it's, it's true
1: and yeah so at the anyway. time, it was really helpful to have something like that. I guess yeah. Um, now, yeah. But like I said, now I feel like the church is changing. Now I feel like I see more diversity in pastors. Slowly, um, not fully there, but yeah. Yeah, that's something I, I think I've seen. Anyway,
0: maybe I'm just seeing things, but that's what I think I've seen. Yeah. Um. So I think I think it would be really helpful for us to dig into a little bit more about. I guess Carl whole ethos in ministry. And I think, you look, you can be anybody and end up making a mistake like what he made. It, it doesn't matter what denomination you're in, um, what brand of ministry you are uh, subscribed to. You can still mess up and make a mistake. We're all human. We're all imperfect. So definitely not like big judgment on Carl. Oh, he's such a terrible guy. He cheated on his wife. None of that, but I do think it is interesting. Um, there's a there's an article uh, in the New York Times, which is I think quite appropriate, um, called "The Rise and Fall of Carl Lentz, the Celebrity Pastor of Hillsong Church." They kind of go through the details of the entire affair uh, up to the 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 time when you know details were relevant and available no doubt in the coming days and weeks uh, more details will come out not really important at this point in time but i do think it is really interesting some of the things they talked about in terms of the brand of church and the brand of ministry that hillsong new york was participating in uh or even perhaps even paving the way for because in many ways, they are very much a Hillsong church, but in other ways, they were going in a slightly different direction to the rest of the church worldwide. Because let's 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 not um, uh, you know be be um, I guess subtle about it. New York is a it's a, it's a high level city. It's a prestigious city. It's a if you live in New York, then you're clearly doing something, you know, significant in your life. Nobody lives in New York because they want to have a relaxed, just chilled out lifestyle. Um, well, I don't wh- know, man. <laughs> I watched Spider-Man and, you know, there's people who own just pizza shops in, in New York and delis <laughs> and that kind of thing. There's regular people there too, right? <laughs> well, no, that's true. That's true. There is, there is a, a pizza place in New York in um, Carroll Gardens, called Lucali's and the guy who owns it Mark Iacono is like an very much a uh, uh evangelist for the old way of New York where everybody kind of knew each other and there was like a established neighborhood and everybody looked out for each other and there was a local mum and pop you know mum and dad sort of corner store on every corner but i i'm just watching this this stuff on YouTube like cuz I'm really into pizza culture and all that sort of stuff and New York is like a big part of that but he often laments the fact that New York is no longer sort of it's 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 not becoming that anymore it's more expensive to live there it's more like like high-paced lifestyle it's mm. and I don't, know, I don't know Hillsong uh Hillsong is definitely like New York is the right place for Hillsong to launch but I do think it is significant to note that like Hillsong is in Kiev, it's in London, it's in yeah, Buenos Aires or is it is are they in are they in Buenos Aires? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah, but they're in all these big cities all around the world. But I think if you're going to be in a big city, like the big city is New York, so it's a big deal that they were able to get into New York and it's 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 a big deal that they were able to actually do something significant there. Um but It seems like what was happening in New York, like more was happening in Hillsong, New York than was happening in Hillsong, London or Hillsong, Kiev, because you have in America this whole celebrity culture, which is all consuming. And you have this guy leading the church who, unlike a lot of the guys who are launching campuses in Kiev, in London, in South Africa, you know, whatever, wherever else there are Hillsong campuses. There's this guy who is attracting the likes of Justin Bieber, for instance, Carl Lentz, Justin Bieber, best of buddies, apparently. Um, Mm. Kevin Durant, Selena Gomez, just to name a few celebrities who have rubbed shoulders and there are many, many more. But it seems that this celebrity association, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with, you know, ministering to celebrities. I definitely think that he had a, uh, you know, a defined mission of this is something that not a lot of pastors can do and he was doing it well. But it seems to have changed the tone of Hillsong New York. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think they definitely seem to have their own way of doing it. I don't know. I just assumed that was just American culture though. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah. again, I don't know that much about it. I just assumed that's just, oh, well, they're just being relative to the culture, you know, and that's kind mm. of... I mean Hillsong do do that to an extent but not really. They're still like you go to I remember when I was in um when I was in London um of something just decided to drop into a Hillsong and it felt just like being back in Australia at a Hillsong church there, you know? Everything was the same. Um and then my friends they were in France, so they dropped into Hillsong Paris or something. They said it felt just like being at Hillsong Brisbane, you know? Hmm. So it's I think they tend to just do the same thing everywhere. Um,
0: mm. But yeah,
1: I don't know. At the same time, I'm like, well, how long can you just do the same thing? Like surely yeah. the culture has to eventually like get in and and make sure. And New York is such a strong, seemingly from where I am, such it seems like such a strong culture, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It, like it's it, such a, it's, you know, people are so proud to be, New, what do you say new yorkan
0: new yorkers yeah
1: yeah new yorkers like yeah f- by the way by the way i see it anyway again i don't know i've never been there yeah <laughs> i haven't really met anyone from new york so i don't know i um, think all the education that- on this comes from spider-man
0: <laughs> that's a- <laughs> not that's even great. joking that's great <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um and i think that's that's fair and i think yeah, I definitely think that a lot of that has to do with being relevant to the culture. And you're right, you know, when you go to Hillsong overseas, a lot of it is, it's kind of like McDonald's, you know, like they have the same experience no matter where you are or at least they, they're they getting really close to whilst taking into account the culture of the place and the time and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, one thing that, you know, I have noticed is it's not, so yeah, in our denomination, A pastor gets up, he preaches a sermon. Even if it's a church of a thousand people, in an Adventist church, most of the time the preacher can get down, he can get off the pulpit, finish the service, and then anybody can pretty much go up to him and tell them exactly what they thought of his sermon, whether they loved it, whether they hated it. They can ask him questions, him or her, whatever. And generally, the pastor is always accessible by pretty much anyone, even if they're considered a celebrity because we have our small time celebrities in the Adventist Church,
1: yeah, um, I mean I wonder, I mean I've never seen like for example, I've never been to like Doug bachelor's church fair, but I wonder if after he speaks I- i'm 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 not saying th- I don't know, I literally have no idea like I wonder how accessible he is, like if he preached a message could me just random Josh just waltz up and be like, mm. hey, I didn't like what you said about this or I love this, can we talk about that more yeah could I I don't know because that's, that's a, a fair question he's pretty, I, he's pretty famous like I really. S- he's i assume
0: that i assume that but i don't know yeah yeah i know like if ted wilson the current
1: president of the adventist general conference if he spoke ah surely if he spoke somewhere
0: i don't know surely he'd be i don't know yeah i'm not sure Hard to say i know if you're i can't picture it i know if you're at crosswalk church you know you can you can chat to tim if you want to you know yeah like i'm pretty sure that's <laughs> i've never been to crosswalk but i assume tim's a I nice mean, Tim guy
1: came on our podcast surely he must be a nice he must guy be
0: accessible <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> surely <laughs> right? And sam lenore yeah both of them at the same time
0: yeah they're great guys so so uh, uh, i'm assuming that yeah it must be all sure. that to say anyway so we have this mutual friend um mitch uh and if you're listening mitch hello um he went to hillsong hills once and he really wanted he um, Brian Houston was preaching. He really wanted to ask him a question. And I was
1: there. I was with Mitch. Were you? Oh, yeah, oh, you I can was. tell this.
0: Oh, you tell the story then. You can tell it much better than I can. Oh no, I, to, I kind of want to hear you tell it now. Well, all all <laughs> I remember him telling me was that he tried to go up to Brian to speak to him because I think Brian was in the congregation after the church somewhere, somewhere that you could see him. You could see him but then a security guard stopped him and wouldn't let him go up to Brian or something like that. Is that correct or not? Uh,
1: that's not what I remember. Okay. He was Brian was standing close because they have, they have like a security guard. Um, it's been the same guy doing it for years too. Like every time I go there, it's the same guy. Really nice guy too, funnily enough. I've ch- chatted to him just randomly before. He was really nice. Okay. Um, but he stands right where like the entrance to like all the PA gear is and then to like the side and backstage areas. Um, So I think it's to more stop people going down there. Mm. Um, But yeah, Brian was coincidentally... Well, he sits quite close to that area anyway, which I guess kind of makes sense. But um, he was standing just in front of him. But what I remember was... There was another pastor there. Like there were a few of the pastors there. So Mitch actually spoke to Joel LaBelle. Okay. okay. If you know Joel LaBelle. Yeah, yeah he used he's to be the pastor executive pastor he, or the oh Hillsong Australia
0: lead or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he
1: used to be the pastor of Hillsong Australia, but now yeah. he's gone and started his own church. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he actually spoke to, I'm pretty sure it was, I'm pretty sure it was Joel LaBelle he was speaking to, which is a pretty big, big deal. But sure. I don't think, I don't know if he necessarily cared. Because he wanted to speak to Brian about something. Yeah. Um, But I think what was happening, I think what they do is they have all the passes there. So if they can answer a question for you about Hillsong or about the message or something, they'll try. try. Brian doesn't have to. One of the questions Mitch asked, Joel answered.
0: Okay. But then
1: another thing was about something i think he wanted to ask something mitch you'll have to correct me if i'm wrong if if you're listening but i remember him asking about something about like what it's like as a pastor doing media appearances or something and like being because he'd done quite a few and mitch had a really it was actually a really good question around i can't remember exactly how he worded. it was something about like how like and it wasn't mean it was like a genuine question about like pastors and media appearances or something and so he was like and then Joel was like oh yeah well you'd have to ask brian that and then brian was already swamped talking to a bunch of people and okay. then he went backstage and that was it. And then Mitch okay. was like, oh, I want to... And then that's when the security guard was like, oh, no, can't get past here.
0: Okay. no, That's how enough. I remember it. Fair I could enough. be wrong. But even... Is- okay. All right. That's even better than what I was... How I was envisioning it. Because at least in that situation, you have a a pastor who is willing to chat about this stuff. And yeah. then you have Brian who is actually technically available up to a certain point, which is... I I think it's fair enough.
1: Yeah, I mean there's like that building can seat uh,
0: between 3 and 5,000 people. Sure. And they do like four services in there a day. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's, they're pumping people through constantly and you're having yeah. to get up there every single time to to preach a sermon, which is pretty intense. I can't imagine being in that, you know, position. No, it would be hard work. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, the reason I bring that up because it seems like that's fairly standard operating procedure as far as Hillsong's you know Uh, PR and how pastors interact with the regular people etc etc at the bigger campuses yeah because I went
1: to like Hillsong Melbourne when that first started just because I was curious um way back man this I really sound like such a Hillsong junkie I guess I was (laughs) a lot more of a Hillsong junkie back then (laughs) (laughs) Uh, wow say this out loud I'm like man this is kind of embarrassing how much I've but I remember Hillsong Melbourne when that first started because that was just like a room full of like two, 300 people, right? Sure. Which is pretty good for your first couple of services or whatever. <laughs> but um, yeah, the pastors were just hanging out afterwards, chatted to them heaps every time. They're like, oh, hey, welcome back. Saw you here last week, that kind of thing. I think as it grows though, they're sort of, yeah, it's sort of how do you keep it sustainable, mm. yeah. which I guess is fair. But then at the same time, it's asking questions as well. Well, Should you have a church of 3,000 people if you can't even connect with all of them? I guess is a follow-up question to that. And
0: that's a very, very, very good question to ask. But I don't know. We're not experts in church planting or, or anything like that. The reason I wanted to bring it up was because it seems like New York was kind of taking that and kind of like multiplying it by a fairly ridiculous margin because... One of the yeah. complaints, at least, that I see in this article is that many of the congregants who were able to speak to the New York Times felt like Carl um, Lentz and church leadership was um, emphasizing the celebrity uh, part of their congregation and kind of leaving everybody else off to the side, mm. which is quite an interesting position to be in like i i don't know that many churches could really say those words like all the celebrities are being catered to and nobody else like I, it's fairly unique it's crazy to think it, about yeah. it's so weird yeah um so
1: yeah, i remember reading in that article uh, yeah I, I just found it actually yeah um just these two paragraphs. It's like no pastor at a big church can have a personal relationships with every parishioner, which is true. Like, honestly, once I started pastoring at a church over 100, I was like, oh, yeah, you can't get to know everybody. It's impossible. But, But Mr. Lentz, this is according to this article, was unusually remote. According to current and former congregants, he seemed to disappear for months at a time Appearing on stage at church only intermittently. His Instagram showed him attending Super Bowls in Florida and at Bieber's wedding at mm. South Carolina Resort. And when he did appear on Sundays, he rarely mixed with churchgoers. Um yeah. And I'm like, ah, that's yeah. weird to read about. It's like like if you're their pastor,
0: you want to you kind of want to be present, like yeah, most, like, most of the time. As much as, as much as practical. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and this is it. Like, apparently, according to this article, they're also doing things like if a celebrity comes to your church, um, they have a special section for them away from the other people. And even they take uh, time to mention that there have been celebrities who have gone to Hillsong, New York, who have wanted to just kind of mingle with everybody else, be that anonymous person in church, just like everybody else and that the ushers at Hillsong New York were instructed that if that happened, that they would actually go and get that person and usher them into the VIP section, right? Which is... Wow. Well, I, I I just can't imagine a VIP box for church. Like, I know that I we have church members who think that they have a VIP <laughs> section because they chose it, but that's not the same the thing. Pew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, totally. I mean... In one
1: part of me is, and I think it's a smaller part, but one part of me is like, it's cool that they're trying to minister to celebrities because I think that is something that churches aren't necessarily doing well, and there are some celebrities who probably need a more secluded experience in order to truly enjoy, yeah. or to truly maybe engage with the church. You yeah. know, not saying that as maybe it is a VIP. I don't know. I'm just thinking about it because I'm like, okay, so say. I'll, we just had our church here and we were like, you know, our, we got like 200 people at our current church. And then, like, say randomly one week, Peter Jackson walks into. Actually, no, probably people don't know Peter Jackson's face enough. Um, Bro, I know <laughs> Peter Jackson's face. Yeah, okay. Well, I don't know. I'm just trying. I think of a New Zealand celebrity. Um, uh, um, Stan Walker. Stan Walker. No, actually, let's go bigger. Joseph Gordon Levitt is currently living in New Zealand. What? Yeah, he is in Wellington since lockdown or something he came over for filming and then was like i'm just gonna stay here for a bit apparently (laughs) okay so if you ever see a guy who looks suspiciously like joseph gordon levitt wearing a baseball cap walking (laughs) through the streets it's probably joseph gordon levitt anyway how do i know that i don't know but i'm pretty sure but let's just say hypothetically he came in not hiding his his look or anything as joseph gordon levitt right It, it would be pretty hard i don't know i'm trying to think what would happen yeah. Like, would people I, I, be like the whole time like, hey, are you Joseph Godleved? Or would my church just not even care? I don't even know. Certainly some people would be like, that's definitely Joseph. I need to talk to him Yeah, and get a few photos. But then if he came again the next week <laughs> and there were photos of him on Instagram at the church, you know that it wouldn't just be, mm. it wouldn't just like people would come specifically for that. Right?
0: Yeah. So No, I can see that on the other hand chances
1: of that happening I don't know (laughs) but then is the
0: is the answer to create a VIP section where they cannot be accessed by anybody else and treat them like the VIP that everybody thinks that they are do you know what I mean like it's yeah that doesn't seem
1: very New Testament to me to be honest like the whole the whole point of in the New Testament like those churches were that like the free and the slave the Jew and the Gentile the rich and the poor would all eat at the same table that's exactly what happened in those early churches and so, like, yeah, I can't.
0: Yeah. If like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt showed up to your Bible study and you were just like, okay, dude, you're part of this Bible study. Yeah, you're a celebrity. Yeah, this is weird. But we're just going to carry on because we're here to study the Bible and be in each other's lives and all that sort of stuff. Like, that's New Testament. That's that, to me, that's more of the picture. And I do think, in a way... um. I understand why a celebrity would want to go to a bigger church like there's a lot more anonymity and I think that's what a lot of people a lot of celebrities probably do without a lot of people noticing it is just showing up slipping into the crowd. Okay one or two people might notice you but then when everybody goes home and there's a big crowd you can just slip out and just go about your day and you can still have a spiritual experience. You know?
1: Yeah. No, hard out. Like, I mean, friends I would invite to church, right? When I invited them to my small church that I, you know, this is when I, where was I? This is in, yeah, no, in Melbourne, which was like less than 100 people. I was like, oh, you want to come to a church? They're like, oh, yeah, what's it like? Ah, yeah, it's just like probably like 60 of us and they kind of thing. They're like, ah, sounds a bit intense. I was like, yeah, that's fair enough. Then I'm like, do you want to come to Hillsong with me? Or like this big church with me? There's like 2,000 people there. They're like, oh, yeah yeah, I'll come to that we'll just slip in the back kind of thing. Yep. You know, like yep. I think some people maybe earlier on in their church experience need some people, not all people, some people, they'll jump straight into a small group and that'll be amazing for them. But other people I feel like need to see, watch from a distance, which is yeah. sort of what
0: you can do online a bit now too. And, you know, like with people like Craig Rochelle, that's actually a an intentional way that they create their church services to actually give people anonymity who don't want to be oh you're a visitor, Hey, stand up, and we 'll all say hello like that is the opposite of what you want, even though most a lot of church people just do not get that but yeah. actually giving people the opportunity to be anonymous if they want to be anonymous is can be really powerful of like if somebody has not had a good church experience but anyway that's it's not a, it's kind of like what we 're talking about, but it's not exactly i think I think it does come back to how do you minister to celebrities and obviously he was doing this and he was doing it well but it doesn't seem like that exactly was meshing with the experience of regular new yorkers who wanted a church experience and had chosen new york hillsong new york to be their home yeah um, i think is probably the bottom line to that discussion and i you know we are not experts on this and we're definitely not the right people to figure out the best way to you know appeal the celebrities um, but I did want to pick on I, I did want to pick on um, toward towards the end of the of the article there's this subtitle the opposite of the gospel. You know, one of the things that people often, especially in our denomination and more conservative denominations, is they they pick on Hillsong for not having like a true gospel. Um, mm. Most of that, in my opinion, is nonsense because you're picking on one or two things out of context and you're not really getting to the heart of it. But I, it's interesting here that they actually do highlight many ways in which um, what was happening was not really gospel, kingdom of heaven. Um, In particular, it revolves around this idea of um, how volunteers relate to the celebrity culture. And they talk a little bit about how um, the staff and the pastors and their celebrity friends, they would often put on these big events to honor this, that, and the other thing, to celebrate this, that, and the other thing. And often it would be the volunteers who would um spend the blood sweat and tears to make it all happen but uh would not reap the rewards of said experiences so i know that sounds really vague but let me just (laughs) use an I'll, i'll use an example i'll use an example um so all churches rely to some degree on volunteer labor to function but several former hillsong volunteers described a particularly intense culture of working 12 or more hours a day and then being treated as low-status workers by church leaders. They go on to say, After the staff enjoyed catered dinners on Saturday evenings at the church offices, volunteers would be summoned from home to come in and clean the kitchen, according to Miss McClanahan, who worked for the church and was also close with leaders, including the Lenses. Ms. McClanahan recalled attending, along with Ms. 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 Lentz, a birthday party for a pastor's wife in a private room at the Williamsburg restaurant, and Williamsburg is in Brooklyn, I believe. So it's probably a pretty it's probably a pretty ritzy place. Um, and seeing a friend who was a church volunteer sitting at the edge of the room, the volunteer had been enlisted to drive partiers home in the wee hours of the morning but had not been invited to enjoy the party himself. What? So oh. that's like the ultimate, you're a nerd, drive us to the party, but don't come to the party. We're going to have a fun time while you sit here and watch us. There's something about that, man, that just kind of makes me mad, you know? Because mm. like... Look, this is probably me projecting my own situation onto the lenses and this whole this whole thing, but man, our churches would not function without the amazing volunteers that come in week after week to serve, to give of their time and their talents. And this it just seems so dishonorable of these people to be able to and these are just two examples I don't know if this is indicative of the entire volunteer culture or the leadership's relationship with volunteers. I know that most Hillsong churches are pretty keen on like honouring and making their volunteers feel like a million bucks because they should be.
1: That's what I've like, I don't know. Anytime I've seen the way leaders interact with volunteers in Australia, it's always been like, they are they love on them so much. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy to me to even hear this kind of stuff.
0: It doesn't seem yeah. like Hillsong.
1: No, it doesn't. And I don't know. Maybe there's stuff I'm not seeing, or maybe this article is like maybe. It people could are be just,
0: skewing. I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's hard to say if this is exactly what happened. This is what the article is reporting, but I yeah. want that to not be true because that is like makes me sick.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, the thing that, that makes me the most probably angry though, is the last little part where um, it talks about Mr. Lentz seemed to surround himself with people primarily concerned with protecting his reputation. So there's this volunteer, ex-volunteer, her name is Melissa Zaraski, a volunteer who helped lead regular meetings of congregants for a year, said that she had heard rumors about Mr. Lentz's quote-unquote inappropriate behavior with women and this is back in 2017, All right. Ugh. So, this is a couple of years ago. So, she had not witnessed anything, but she felt that it was important to pass it on. Uh, and so, she did. Um, she passed it on to some staff leaders and apparently her concerns just got brushed off um, until it reached a staff pastor nam- named Kane Keating who told her that she was then unfit for leadership And basically, she got fired from her position, her volunteer position, might I add. um, And she was told that she was unfit for leadership. And her co-leader, who had also raised alarms, apparently was removed from his position too. She felt that what had happened was the opposite of the gospel and like a cover-up. It notes here in the article that Mr. Keating said that he did not recall telling Ms. Ms. Zaraski that she was unfit for leadership, When he dismissed her. So, look, this is one person's word against another in a court of law. This would be just hearsay. Um, So, uh, take it with a grain of salt, if you will. But it seems like what was happening here at the church was a culture of honoring leaders. And we definitely know that from Hillsong. Hillsong has been very, very strong on honoring leaders. But the departure is where Hillsong seems to be forgetting the other thing, which you just mentioned before, Josh, which is like we are going to make our volunteers um, feel like a million bucks as well because we know that without them we would not be out of function Um, to the point where it seems that uh, Carl Lentz surrounding himself with people primarily concerned with protecting his reputation it just, it just makes me think of what happened with Mark Driscoll in Mars Hill Church just, a I think it was about a decade ago now, where he wasn't cheating on people, but he was a bad manager. He was fudging financial records for this, that and the other thing for his book sales, and he was not treating people well. And everybody around him was more interested in protecting his reputation than protecting the people who were getting hurt in the process, and it seems like a similar thing was happening here where people were more willing to basically fire volunteers and to cover things up than to let the truth come out, whatever that truth may be. And it doesn't say what uh, inappropriate behaviours were happening, Um, but, yeah, take that for what you will. I mean, it sounds
1: weird to say... But like I'm glad I'm glad Brian Houston took action and did something about it because I've heard so many stories of churches where the same sort of thing happens and it just gets covered up and covered up and covered up. You know what I mean? I mean, there's that thing in 2017, but it doesn't... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really sad and I'm especially sad for like the victims, you know? sad for his family i'm sad for the volunteers who've been mistreated and all that kind of thing it's it's horrible you know this whole thing um but hopefully like i don't know i don't know hopefully it'll be hopefully there'll be some you know carl can can grow and yeah like realize what he's been doing and um you know hopefully the church can function well you know obviously I'm not I'm like I'm not like I don't necessarily agree with Hillsong. Like I mean, especially on doctrine, but uh, even on some practice kind of thing. But at the same time, like you know, these are people who connect people to Jesus, and I think that's valuable. And I hope that they can continue doing that in a way, like yeah, yeah, in in in, in the unique way they do it. Um, and also like I know a lot of young pastors, in even in our church, who really looked up to Carl, and I'm hoping that um there's not too much discouragement there that they can look beyond Carl and look beyond this and yeah Mm. I don't know sounds so cliche but like you know keep looking to Jesus as like the ultimate you know but I mean even Paul like he said like follow me as I follow Jesus kind of thing we have people that we follow because we love the way that I don't know they express their faith and that kind of thing so I'm hoping like yeah I don't know it doesn't it doesn't I don't know what I'm trying to say (laughs)
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a confusing time um, as we're processing this, um, but I think, like you, I've definitely found some really key takeaways to this whole situation. And I think, I mean, for me personally, it's it's a it's almost a confirmation of something that I've been feeling for a long time, and that is this just growing distaste with the not not the pastors ministering to celebrities, but people seeing pastors as celebrities and right. pastors wanting to be celebrities to have influence and things like that. Um, you know, I think you could probably... You know, I've been wrestling with like... Again, you mentioned Paul, right? If we had a celebrity pastor in the first century, apart from Jesus, it would have been Paul, you know? Or, or Apollos. Well, that's true. That's yeah, true. Yeah. a bit of a... In a way. There, but, yeah. But, I mean, Paul was way more like going here, there and everywhere, meeting with kings and emperors and Mm. planting churches all across the Mediterranean. Like he was was a gun and he also had some pretty, I think some pretty serious um, personality uh, challenges. But, uh, you know, as far as a go-getter, somebody who people look to, certainly, you know, he wrote most of our New Testament. And um, so I've, I've been struggling with that, but I think in this day and age that we live in where, yeah, I mean, Carl Lentz, he his 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 influence and his success was definitely found in the in the local church. But I would argue probably was accelerated by his savvy use of social media. The a way that he was able to personally connect with uh influential and famous people definitely fueled that. I mean, seeing um Carl Lentz in an Instagram post with Kevin Durant or Justin Bieber, that's that's a that's a serious thing, you know, for a pastor, as we've already talked about many times. But I also think that what we have seen in this article and no doubt the things that will come out over the next months and years of people kind of and we don't know what's going to happen to the church. It may keep going. It may disintegrate. Who knows? Um, I hope it doesn't disintegrate. I hope that people can still, you know, find Jesus and find hope in New York Hillsong. Um But I think that what we have seen is definitely evidence of what happens when that goes bad. Mm. When you take that idea of, I'm going to be somebody who can minister to um, celebrities and they confuse that calling with actually being a celebrity and being somebody noteworthy and being somebody who should be protected, especially when it comes to indiscretions if the indiscretions that was mentioned at the end of this article by this lady in 2017 if they were true and we definitely know that the indiscretions that has led to his firing they're all they're all came out there's no debating about that it seems that this is perhaps a case study of where that culture can can lead a person and can lead a church leadership um and mm. so for me, that that's this has definitely been a takeaway of, you know, I've I've admired Carl Lentz just like you. I haven't I haven't he hasn't been as big of an influence in my life as as he has in yours, but I've admired Carl Lentz and Stephen Furtick and John Gray and many of these admittedly American pastors who have a fantastic social media following and minister to celebrities and drive cool cars and speak on stages to tens of thousands of people and have rolexes and you know wear Bro. Yeezys,
1: you know like <laughs> I'm that as, i'm not as into that like as soon as i, I remember like <laughs> john gray bought his wife a lamborghini or something for for oh her birthday God. are you serious i did not know that yeah so i was like no nah, i'm not here <laughs> unfollowed i'm like i'm not here for that man like if you did it through your book sales or whatever i don't know it's your use of money or whatever but i'm not
0: nah, yeah i'm not doing i'm not keen you know and- see see but here's the thing for me here's the thing for me I look at that and I agree with you. But then everything around it, it seems so attractive. Like it seems like this is the life. If you're going to be a pastor, if you're going to be devoting your life to preaching the word of Jesus, then why can't you preach the the word of Jesus in those suits, on that stage, at that church? Do you know what I mean? Like for me as a human, flawed, sinful man... I look at that and go, I would much rather be doing that than wearing my, my, my Kmart uh, $4 t-shirt, you know, wearing $20 jeans.
1: Kmart? This is from Cotton On,
0: bro. See, <laughs> <laughs> so even 40. you're stepping up further than me. You know, preaching at my little church of 40 people. We don't even have a building. We have, we're, we're, we're hiring a building. You know, like it, the financial, worldly, worldly, oh, worldly, you know, sort of metrics, it's very, very attractive. But then yeah. I tell myself, okay, it's not about it's not about the money. It's not about the the wealth, the influence, the connections. It's about reaching people for Jesus. He's reaching so many more people for Jesus. Man, if I could be like him, I could reach so many more people for Jesus. And then if I happen to get a pair of Yeezys and if I, if I happen to wear an Armani suit and if I happen to drive a Lamborghini, oh, well, that would just be nice, you know. So be it. <laughs> so be it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Such is my cross to bear. Um, <laughs> oh,
1: no. You yeah. know?
0: But see, that's, that's, where, that's where I'm coming from yeah. of going okay, that's nice and that's that's very nice. It'd be very nice to be that person and to be the envy of everybody um, or whatever. But then I look at stories like this and I go, ah, I know not every pastor is going to end up here, but a lot of them have been. And look, I'm not going to make any aspersions about what pastors do behind closed doors, whatever. Okay, that's between them and God. Yeah. But what I'm seeing here. Is I'm seeing the fame, I'm seeing the glitz and the glamour, the connections, the money, the influence, the power that comes along with all this stuff and this is where it leads when it can go bad. I have no doubt that you could probably be the most humble, godly, God-fearing, pure of heart person and do this, but I know... it couldn't be me I I wouldn't be able to handle it I'd probably stuff up as well I'd probably do something stupid and I would probably end up like Carl Lentz if I ever got that opportunity
1: oh bro it's I mean you look at like someone like Justin Bieber and I actually heard you know Judah Judah Smith who was also it's funny I actually thought Judah Smith had a lot more to do with Justin Bieber than when he Bieber talks about it he always talks about Carl Lentz so I find that really interesting But anyway, because Judah Smith, Justin Bieber actually went to Judah's church before he became famous. Um, But it's funny, like, listening to Judah Smith talk, he's like, because people were saying, you know, he did all this, he got drunk, all that sort of stuff, like, and yet he calls himself a Christian, what do you think about that? And Judah was like, you give an 18-year-old endless money and all of these people around him and cameras constantly on him, what do you think is going to happen? I'm like... (laughs) fair call like honestly like that power can get to you you know so easily and the fame and i think yeah in the pastoral world even though like i don't know like i see like some you know we've talked to christian influencers before on here like you know chantelle smith who we had on the podcast she's now got like a massive following on tiktok and instagram yep Um, which is awesome to see and she's doing really cool things and i look at that and i'm like wow that's so awesome that she has that then i'm like do i want that and then i look at it and i'm like that's kind of terrifying actually you know like (laughs) that sort of influence like and obviously it's not the same sort of level as like carl lent or that kind of thing but i'm like man that's having like thousands and thousands of people that you have influence over um, which can be really good in terms of like influencing people towards Jesus and that's, that's always the goal but it's not that you become more famous but it's that he does um, but yeah like how I don't know there'd be so much temptation in that like the more things like your, your social media following grow and your church grow and all that kind of thing this must be hard I don't know like yeah uh, yeah just to totally coming at it from a purely human perspective And then I think about the majority of people go to small churches True, still, you know? So the majority of pastors who've influenced the world for Jesus are probably people will never hear of. Exactly. You know, it's a whole lot of pastors doing awesome things that nobody sees and talks about. Well, very few people see and talk about, you know? So it's like, I'm proud to, to be in that, you know, if that's... Like what? Whatever. Like I'm.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. But yeah. you see this stuff, and it's so tempting. It's like, whoa! Look at that. <laughs> if I had eight hundred thousand followers, I could just send out a thing like Jesus loves you, and look, bam! I've reached eight hundred thousand people. Yeah. Job done. Pastor check. <laughs> you know, like I don't know. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's hard. It's hard, man. Because I get what you're saying. It's such a struggle. Um. Yeah. And I don't want to defend Carl's actions here either. Like, no. I definitely think he's done the wrong thing and it takes a lot
1: to go down that path. And that's from somebody, that's somebody who loves Carl. Um, and I don't know. Surely you'd start picking this stuff up earlier.
0: Yeah. I definitely I know, like think that... I definitely think even if Carl had the greatest of intentions, which let's give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm sure he did.
1: Uh, Man, like honestly, yeah. Those sermons that he preached, in my opinion, you can't act that. Yes. I think it's definitely
0: genuine. Yeah. At least originally. Even having said that, even if he had the best of intentions and we are believing that he had the best of intentions, somehow along the way, he built a church which had a leadership culture that was toxic and that enabled him to satisfy the worst of his impulses and his bad side which everybody has right and so i guess that's the other takeaway for me it's not that i want church leadership that's gonna scrutinize everything that i do everything that i say but i want people in my life who can pull me up when i'm acting in a way that's dishonorable to people dishonorable to god dishonorable to myself you know who will question my motivations who will question is this the right thing to do in a way that is christ-like because i think we all need that especially if you or i or anybody who's listening to this ever gets a disproportionately large amount of influence you need that and it just seems like that didn't happen for him um and even if he had people in his life which i'm sure he did i'm sure he had a pastor buddy whether it was rich wilkerson or judah smith or whatever who was able to chat to him about stuff obviously it was not enough to stop him from going down this road that he did which has led him to where he is now
1: Mm.
0: which is sad um so i think that's i think that's the thing for me you know you know that's my that's my final takeaway i want people in my life who can keep me accountable not just for the are you doing the right thing jesse but also like calling out the best in me, helping me not to give in to my worst impulses um, and who can be a an authoritative figure to stop me from, yeah, going down those roads, which will be self-destructive. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, even having like knowing that somebody's going to talk to you about your sermon straight after you finish preaching it. That's
0: huge., yeah. It,
1: it, yeah. Just not feeling come like, up and talk to you about that.: Yeah, like anybody in your congregation, not just the
0: people you know, like your, your buds, but like anybody I, could. I cannot imagine preaching a sermon and having it being so above scrutiny, like intentionally, okay, we are going to make it so that you are above scrutiny, even when it comes to a sermon. Can't, I can't imagine that imagine imagine preaching a sermon and then just going backstage and then just sitting in the green
1: room and eating a bag of chips by yourself <laughs> and that's it and then you get in a car and go home how weird how foreign is that thought i can't even like fathom i mean
0: also, i don't know if that i don't think that's what Carl did but you know what i mean <laughs> just like, eating a bag of chips that's his ritual yeah
1: yeah well, i don't know but I was just but you know like, what
0: you know what that sounds amazing though there are some saturdays
1: (laughs) no 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 i'm being
0: serious man in some saturdays some weekends when i'm getting up to preach i don't i don't want to talk to people that's just me i'm talking that sounds amazing but also i know that that is something that i should never do i should never put myself in a position where i have to do that because i know that even if i don't want to see people that's i need to because that's good for me it's good for my leadership and it's good for my soul To 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 not feel like I'm so above people that I can do that, like that's so arrogant. Right, I see. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, no, that's fair. I'm doing a lot of self reflection, Josh.
0: I'm doing a lot of self reflection too, and I'm an extrovert, so I mean, we see that differently too. Yes, you say Um, you see that, and you 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 say feel like that's the worst thing. I'm like, that's amazing. But mind
1: you, yeah, mind you, like even when you preach, though, it's a very vulnerable thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. So I can feel like, man, I'm scared of people talking to me about this afterwards. Not because I think I've said anything wrong. It's just like, I've shared my heart here. Yeah. What if someone's like, no, nah, I don't like that. It's like, Oh yeah, no, like... absolutely. Absolutely. Or when somebody comes up and like, Oh, I love that. And then they'll say, I love when you said this, 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 then you you're like, that's not what I said at all. <laughs> like you've taken that totally wrong. That's, another thing. Uh, um, that's so funny. Yeah. No, I mean, there's lots to think about here and lots to ponder, but yeah. Um, we've, yeah, we've been chatting. About We're it for definitely also.
0: Yeah. 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 So that's that's it. Um hope you guys enjoyed. Um, what are your takeaways? Um, for those of us, man, there's a I'm sure there's a bunch of Avondale pastoral theology students listening to this, probably all collectively crying over the downfall of Carl Lentz, our hero Carl. Um, but what are your takeaways? Your leadership takeaways? Um if you're a church member, how would you have felt uh, in a church like this? What are your thoughts mm. on, because uh, so, I think for those of us who are in the SDA denomination, this is like totally foreign to us. Oh, like,
1: so far away from what we we have. I Well, in our context anyway, I've never yeah. seen anything like this.
0: No, nah, no. Nah. Um,
1: but yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys. So reach out, best place to go for all things Burn the Haystack is of course at burnthehaystack.org. We'd love to hear That's from you. That's
0: right. Um, and if you want to help us out, um, or if this is the first time that you have listened to the podcast, subscribe wherever you are listening and leave us a rating or a review. Um, helps us to get out there and to get more reach and uh more followers, uh more volunteers that we can use and abuse. No, no, that's not no, that's not what we do. Please don't, Jesse. No, no. We love our we love our listeners and we love you guys, and we invite lots and lots of feedback and discussion which you can do by sending us an email as Josh mentioned jumping on the Facebook group um, also buy our merch, we're coming out with a new album so we're going we're gonna to jump on that Hillsong train Josh is going to quickly record an album, um, he doesn't have he's got plenty of time on his hands these days so he's just going to record an album then we're going to publish it and you can buy that on our merch store as well. going
1: to stop talking please stop talking, <laughs> woo <laughs> Alright, thanks guys. You're awesome. We love you. That's Josh and Jesse. OUT!